Let's pretend for just a second that everybody in, let's say, our whole county, in Collin County, uh, is all deported, all forced, I know that's a stretch, right, but uh, all forced to leave this area and get pushed down, let's say, all the way down to very south of South America. Let's say we all get moved down to Chile, right? And we're all way down there. We're far from our home. We're far from our families. We don't, probably most of us, speak the language. We don't know the culture. We don't know the politics. We don't know what to wear, what not to wear. We don't know what's taboo and what's not. We really don't know how to fit in. What's going to happen is probably one of two things. Either, on the one hand, we'll be assimilated over time, where we'll learn to fit in, we'll learn to speak the language, we'll learn to wear the clothes, we'll learn to, you know, what to eat and what not to eat, we'll learn what's, what's good and what's bad in that culture, and we'll really just become one of them, because it's hard to be a people who stand out, right? And we, we, over time, will probably be assimilated into the culture, or, on the other hand, we can say, no, I don't want anything to do with this culture. I don't want anything to do with these people. I resent the fact that I'm not back in my home with my people speaking my language and we'll kind of isolate ourselves from the people around us and we'll kind of form a little enclave, a little group, a community within a community and say, we're just going to wait until we can go back home to our people and our place and do our own thing. Now, the interesting thing is that as Christians, when we read the New Testament, it kind of puts things in that perspective, doesn't it? That not physically we've been transported to another place, but spiritually speaking, when we become Christians, Jesus says we are born Again, right? We have a new birth by the water and the spirit, and we're born into a new family, and we, we have a new citizenship, and now we're citizens of heaven, and we're exiles on this earth. We're living here as foreigners, as sojourners, as strangers, as aliens. And so the big question is, how should we live being exiles here in this place, in the place that we used to speak their language. But now the way we talk is a little bit different. And, and, and really, as we continue to grow as Christians and we get closer to what Jesus would have us to be and, and how to think and how to speak and how to act, and the world tends sometimes to get more worldly, it seems like the gap gets bigger and bigger and bigger all the time, doesn't it? And so we have to decide, are we going to be assimilated? Are we going to conform and just say, okay, well, we can let that slide and, and our standards will become more like the world standards and, and, and over time we'll begin to look and talk and act and think just like the world, right? And, and if we're honest, we've seen ourselves do that, haven't we? Maybe personally or maybe just as a group, but we know what it's like to be the kind of people that look like everybody else. And maybe on Sundays we're here, but our religion and our life is so compartmentalized that on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday when we're at school or at work with the PTA or we're with our HOA or or whatever committee or group or uh, people we're with, our neighbors, our grocery store, out on the freeway, we act and think and talk just like everybody else. We just blend in. 
Or on the other hand, we have a tendency to say, I don't want anything to do with the world. I, I, I don't want to think like them. I don't want to be around them. I don't want to talk to them and kind of build hedges around our Christian community, kind of isolate ourselves and live in a bubble and say, this is our world. These are our people. Everybody else, you just do whatever you want to. That's not any of my concern. Or is there a third option? When God calls us to be exiles in this world, I don't think that he calls us either to assimilate and become just like everybody else. We're told in Romans chapter 12 not to be conformed to the pattern of this world. But I don't think he calls us to isolate ourselves either. In fact, I think the best word for it is faithfulness. That's what God calls his people to. He calls us to be faithful in, one, our conduct, so that our conduct isn't what the world's conduct is, but faithful, secondly, to our calling. So as exiles, we are to live faithfully in our conduct and faithful to our calling. And what does that look like? That's what this sermon series this month is all about, is how do we live as foreigners, sojourners, exiles, strangers, aliens in this world and be faithful in our conduct and faithful to our calling. What is our calling? How should we live? What does that look like? Well, that's what this series is all about. And we're going to draw from two different places. One from 1 Peter. And 1 Peter uses a lot of exile language to encourage Christians that really have very little in common with the people around them. They probably used to have things in common with them before they became Christians, but then when they became Christians, they became despised, they became made fun of and rejected and persecuted. And so Peter writes to encourage them to say, now that you are this, here's how you are to live. So we're going to draw a lot from 1 Peter, but also from the history of the Jewish people, our spiritual ancestors, right? Because the Jews spent a lot of time away from their homeland, didn't they? In the very beginning, before the Exodus, they they came out of Egypt in the Exodus, right? They were living in Egypt for hundreds of years before they finally came to the Promised Land. But then even after living in the Promised Land and, and, and having their kingdom, because of their disobedience, their kingdom was taken away from them. The northern kingdom of Israel was destroyed by the Assyrians, and then later, later the southern kingdom of Judah was destroyed, and they were kept, taken off into Babylonian captivity. And so a lot of the Old Testament deals with, as God's chosen people, how should you live in exile? And there's a lot that we can learn from that because we are God's people living in exile. One of those stories, one of the books that's so rich in that kind of information is the book of Daniel, right? Daniel was a young man, maybe even a teenager, and he was taken from Judah to Babylon. And the Babylonians' idea and and their goal, their strategy, was to take people away from their homeland and assimilate them into the culture. Teach them how to be Babylonians. Teach them what to wear, what to eat, how to dress, give them new names, and make them into Babylonians. Well, Daniel had three friends, right? We call them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? But that wasn't their real names, their Hebrew names, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. And and so they took these four young men, along with many others, and they deported them to Babylon and tried to make them forget, tried to assimilate them into the culture, even giving them new names. But here's the thing. Daniel, his three friends, they said, listen, 
we can take Babylonian jobs and we can live in a Babylonian city and, and you can even give us Babylonian names, but we will not forget who we are. So in this series, we're going to look at four principles from 1 Peter 2 about living as exiles. And the first one is that, is we cannot forget who we are. And so the first story that we have of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is they're asked to eat the king's food. Well, they can't because that's against the law of God. And so they'll defile themselves if they eat this food. And they remember who they are. And they say, listen, we, we, we can live here and we can, we can uh, have, have your names even, but we're not going to eat the food. And they stand up for what's right. Why? Because they remember who they are. And when Daniel is asked not to pray to anybody but the king, not to petition anybody but the king, and not to pray to God, he says, listen, I can't do that because I know who I am. And he gets thrown to the lions, right? And then when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are asked to bow down to the statue, they say, I can't do that because we know who we are. Now listen, they weren't, they weren't isolated, were they? They had Babylonian jobs. They were government officials. They worked in Babylon. There was much of what they did that that looked a little bit Babylonian. But in the end, they weren't assimilated into Babylonian culture. They remembered who they were. So let's look at the text. 1 Peter chapter 2 and starting in verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. Be thinking about this. You go to work. You go to school. You drive on the freeway. When you're with your neighbors, when you're at the grocery store, you've got to remember who you are. And who is that? I was blessed by having parents that would remind me when I'd go off to school in the morning when I was a teenager, remember who you are. Now, I may not have known very well at the time who I was, but now I know because I've read God's Word. And now we're all going to know. When we leave here today, we're going to know who we are as Christians. And it's our job to live like it. First Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 9. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. We'll go on to verse 12 next week, but we'll cover four different principles from this one text, but I just want to pull out this one this morning remember who we are. So let's kind of walk through who Peter, who the Holy Spirit says through Peter, we are. Who are we? First, we are a chosen race. Think about that for just a second, okay? Chosen race. That word that's translated race there, the Greek word is genos, where we get the word gene or genetics or genealogy, generation. It means family, right? Who is your Family, right? And, and when we read this big story about the Bible, we understand that even though in the flesh, most of us are probably Gentiles, but because of Jesus and what he did, we get brought into the family of Abraham. And we become a part of the chosen people. That's my people. By faith, that's my people. That's my family. That's my race. You know, it's kind of interesting. And they don't give that as an option on those little surveys when they say, choose your race. I want to circle Christian because that's my race. 
That's my people. That's who I am. That's the family that I am a part of because of what Jesus did for me. Now, why is that important? And why do I need to remember that when I go out into the world? Well, one, I need to remember that because I need to be faithful in my conduct, right? There's certain things I don't watch because my family doesn't watch things like that. Not, not my McAdams family, my Jesus family, right? Because I'm part of Jesus' family. I'm part of Abraham's family. I'm part of Moses' family. I'm part of Daniel's family and Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. People who didn't forget who they were, who walked by faith and not by sight. Not perfectly. Everybody but Jesus messed up and made mistakes. But we have family standards, right? And we say, I don't, I don't watch that because that's not what my family does. I, I don't talk that way because my family doesn't talk like that. I don't wear that because my family doesn't dress like that, right? And so there are certain things that we don't do because we're part of this family. But sometimes I think Christians need a reminder that Christianity isn't just about what we're against, right? Christianity isn't just don't do these things. There's certainly a list of things that if we're going to be faithful in our conduct, we don't do because we're part of a chosen race. But, but, but there are also things that we should be doing proactively, right? Jesus' people, people that are part of Jesus' family, are kind and loving, compassionate. We love our, our brothers and our sisters. We love our neighbors. We love our friends. And, and dare I say, we are supposed to love our enemies. Our enemies. Well, what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, it looks like this. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, if your enemy is hungry... Laugh at him, right? Just laugh, because he's your enemy. If he's hungry, uh, no. It's not you're awake, right? He didn't say that, right? What does he say? If your enemy's hungry, what? Feed him. That's what Jesus' family does. That's what you do if you're part of Jesus' family. Because we walk by faith and not by sight. That's what our family does. Where we love our neighbors, we love our friends, we love our family, but we also love our enemies. We do it for their good and we do it for God's glory. If they're hungry, we give them something to eat. If they're thirsty, we give them something to drink. You say, well, my family, we just... No, no. if you're a Christian, you have a new family, which means you have a new standard of, of conduct and a new calling. And so if we're going to be faithful in our conduct, there are things we don't do. If we're going to be faithful to our calling, there are things that we do. We go out into the world and we, we bless for the good of others and for the glory of God. Next, number two, a royal priesthood. Now that's interesting, isn't it? Baptism, it's not just that at baptism that we're adopted into a family or born again. That's absolutely true as we just talked about. But we're also cleansed. We're cleansed from our sins. In Acts chapter 22, Paul is retelling the story of his conversion. And Ananias says, what are you waiting for? Arise and be baptized. Wash away your sins calling on the name of the Lord. You see, when we're baptized, we're, we're sanctified, or we're, we're, we're purified, we're cleansed, our sin is washed away. Not just, not just so that we can go to heaven when we die. We just wait around and isolate ourselves and say, well, I'm just going to keep myself clean and hold on and hide and keep my head down until Jesus comes back. No! You were cleansed for a purpose. You were cleansed to be a priest. You were cleansed to serve God. And so, Peter, so much of what he says in chapter 2 here has to do with being priests. In fact, he says that we are we're like stones, living stones that are put together into a temple for God. 
See, Christianity isn't a religion that's practiced in temples with a certain group that is priests. Christianity is a religion where we are all the temple of God as Christians and where we are all priests and where we practice our religion every moment of every day. Every moment of our life is supposed to be a religious thing, right? Our sacrifices to God aren't burnt offerings and incense. Our sacrifice to God is service to God. Romans chapter 12 says that if we're moved by the mercies of God, then we should present our whole selves to Him as a living sacrifice. You know what that means? That, that means that moms, when you're, when you're at home changing diapers and feeding babies, you're, you're doing priest work. Do you know that? You're doing priest work. Yeah, you're doing religious service because you are selflessly serving that child for that child's good and for God's glory. And you need to realize that. that if, if you're a trash collector, you're, you're doing priestly work. If you do it for the good of your community and for the glory of God, you're doing priestly service. If you're an accountant or you're a CEO or you're, I don't know, whatever it is that you do, whatever it is that you are, the goal, the idea is that we take our lives every moment of every day and offer them up as divine service to God. Where we say, my whole self is you. I don't do it because I chase after money. That was last month's series, wasn't it? Idolatry. Changing our perspective here, aren't we? We say, it doesn't, doesn't mean I quit my job. It means I change the way I think about my job. It doesn't mean that I, 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 I do religious things more and secular things less. It means that I change my perspective so that I realize that if I'm doing it right, everything is religious. Everything is service to God. If I'm doing it for His glory and in His service. Third, a holy Nation, holy, na- that's who we are. Now, it's one thing, and we tend to think about you're holy and I am holy, and we have a tendency to think of Christianity in individual terms. But listen, church, when you became a Christian, when you were baptized into Jesus, when you put him on, you became a part of something so much bigger than yourself, so much bigger than yourself. And I know when you go to work or you go to school, listen, I grew up in a school where as far as I know, the only Christian in my grade, in my class at school, as far as I know, was me. Think I felt alone? Better believe I did. And it was so easy to just assimilate, just be like everybody else. Or isolate myself and say, well, I don't have any friends. I can't have any friends because there are no Christians here. Listen, I wasn't alone. I was never alone. Not only was Jesus with me, but we are part of a nation of people. When you march out on Monday morning, you need to understand that spiritually speaking, you are locking arms with every Christian brother and sister and we are going out into the world not just to keep ourselves from sin yes to keep ourselves from sin but also to change the world to glorify God to make this place a better place we are a part of a holy nation you are not alone you are part of something so much bigger than yourself and that's why we need to understand the role the church plays in being exiles. Because we have to build each other up. 
and encourage each other and remind each other that it's not just on Sundays that we're together. We may just be together physically on Sunday, but you better believe that if you're out there doing what you're supposed to be doing and I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and the rest of us are doing what we're supposed to be doing, then we're together. One mind and one body with one set of hands. We're going into the world to live out our calling, to be faithful in our conduct, and to be faithful in our calling. Number four, a people for God's own possession. Think about the cross. The second person of the Godhead giving up his place in heaven, the peace and the blessedness of that life that he had had with the Father since before time began, and that he put on human flesh, and he came here and he got hungry and he got thirsty, and he suffered and he bled and he died. And what did he get out of it? I know what I got out of it. I know what you got out of it. What did God get out of it? Us. That's what he got out of it. You say, well, that wasn't a very good deal. No, he thought it was a great deal. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever should believe in Him might not perish, but have everlasting life. He did what He did so that we could be His possession. His prized possession to win us back and to recreate us so that we could be His special, chosen, holy people. And He gave us His Holy Spirit as a stamp that says, that person is mine. They belong to me. I'm writing my name on them. Right? Isn't that awesome? The, the, the story of the Bible, and you read through from Genesis on, and, and you, you read about Abraham's family, and you say, these are God's people. They're his possession. He picked them. Of all the families he could have picked, he said to Abraham, you and your descendants, they'll, they'll be my family. If you're reading that as a Gentile, and you think, man, that's, that's not fair. How come they get to be God's family? Now, because of Jesus, all of us get to be God's family when we put our faith in Jesus. And so we've got to remember that when we go out on Monday, we are a part of the people who are God's prized possession. Now, last couple words that I want us to think about for a second. Verse 11, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles, sojourners and exiles. Usually when we talk about that, we say, this world is not my home. Uh, Sorry, I always promised I wouldn't sing. That was almost singing right there. We say this, I'll, I'll say it, this world is not my home, I'm just passing through, right? But there's, a, there's a certain amount of truth in that, right? My citizenship is somewhere else, I'm just a stranger, I'm just an exile, I'm a foreigner here. But I don't think that captures the whole essence of these terms. You see, these words sojourners and exiles are really about being immigrants, They're about leaving one place or not being in your home country and taking up residence, a foreign alien, or an alien resident rather, an alien resident, somebody who is a foreigner, but they have taken up residence with and among the native people. See, we're not tourists here. We don't get to say, oh, listen, I'm just here for a little bit. That's your problem, world. Sorry about that. Sorry you got all these problems, but we're worried about church problems. You just worry about yourself because this isn't our home. We're just passing through. No. No. That's not how we live as God's exiles. See, I keep thinking about Jeremiah chapter 29. See, there were some people when they got taken off into Babylonian captivity, there were some false prophets that said, hey, listen, don't settle in in Babylon. We're going back to Jerusalem soon. 
We won't be here but just a minute. So don't, don't build houses. Don't learn the language. Don't wear their clothes. Just, just, just wait. We're, we're going back home, right? And God said, those are false prophets. So God writes a letter through Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 29, and he tells them, this is how you're to live as exiles. And by the way, you're going to be here for 70 years. For your lifetime, you'll be here. And listen, for most of us, unless the Lord comes back first, we're going to be here for a lifetime. So there is a sense in which this world is your home, right? Not where your citizenship lies. You are a sojourner. You are an exile. But, but this world is your home. Dallas is my home now. Collin County is my home. Texas is my home. The United States of America is my home. This world, in a sense, is my home. And I need to be like God encouraged the exiles, Jeremiah 29 and verse 7, to seek the welfare of the city where you dwell in exile. Seek their welfare and pray for them. We don't get to say, this world isn't my home, I'm just, I'm just here for a minute. No, you're not here for a minute. You're here for a lifetime. And yes, you need to keep your focus on what's next, absolutely, so that you don't defile yourself. But your job and my job as we live as exiles here is to make this place a better place. Seek the welfare of your next door neighbor, of your neighbor, of your fellow Collin Countyite, is that a term? Or your fellow Dallasonian, your, everybody, seek, seek the welfare of everybody, even your enemies. Live to make the world a better place for their good, for God's glory. So as we go through this series, I want us to think about that balance. That balance where we say, listen, my job is certainly not to be assimilated and to become like the world. And my job certainly isn't to isolate myself and to say, I don't want to have anything to do with anybody that isn't a Christian. My job is to be faithful, faithful in my conduct and faithful to my calling. But maybe there's somebody here this morning that isn't yet a child of God. Listen, the invitation is waiting. Jesus wants to make you a part of a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, right? What are you waiting for? That is the prize that life is, the only prize in this life that's worth striving for is to be one of God's people. And if you are one of God's people, then remember who you are. Remember who you are today. Remember who you are in the morning. Remember who you are all week long. Remember who you are when you feel alone. Remember that you are a part of a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. And I want to challenge you to remember that. Next week I'm going to quiz you. I'm not kidding. We need to remember who we are. That we are a chosen race. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are a people who are God's possession. And we are sojourners and exiles here. Not to live in isolation, nor to become assimilated, but to be faithful in our conduct and our calling. Maybe there's somebody here this morning that needs encouragement or prayers, need to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. We're going to offer an invitation in a second. After services, there's a room in the back. Elders would love to pray with you. You can come forward. We want to help you. We're in this together. We want to be God's chosen people. If we can help you, won't you come forward as we stand and sing?